And here's what I want to ask you. What is holding you back? What is the thing that's holding you back from going after your dreams and from finding meaningful work you love? Aren't you ready to wake up to the possibilities that are in your life and go after the things you've dreamt of? It's time for you to feel alive again, lit up, and for you to know that you're deserving and you are worthy for the future that's waiting for you. I want you to feel fulfilled and find abundance in your life. I think it's time and I'm ready to help you get started. Now I'm your host, Kristen, of Building a Life You Love. And each week on the show, we're going to help you figure out how you do go after your dreams and find work you love. Here we go. Let's get started. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the importance of our personal stories as we build our business. And we're going to talk about how we design our day and our week to have moments of inspiration and how we let curiosity and our excitement and our intuition help inform us for what we should be working on that day. So take a listen. Hi, today on the show, I would like to welcome Joe Ingram. She's a former ad agency director turned business coach and strategist. She's also the podcast host of Action Taker Tribe, and she helps new inspired entrepreneurs take inspired action to build their heart-centered online business by unlocking their unique drive and inspiration. Welcome, Joe. Hi, Christine. Great to be here. Absolutely. Joe is joining us from London. And Joe, I would love it if you can start off by telling us a little bit about your backstory and your journey on stepping from the ad agency um, world into this new world of business coaching and podcasting and all these new things you're doing. Sure. And so my background is I worked for London advertising agencies for two decades, having graduated with you know, a really great degree and doing all the things um, that I thought I that I thought that I was supposed to do, all about becoming a professional and climbing the greasy pole and all the things that we do in corporate. Um, I had realized quite early on that it wasn't really for me. But it was only about, say, five years ago, I started getting into the personal development scene. And I'm sure for anyone that's that's gone in that direction, I imagine a lot of your listeners will be there themselves, is that you start to evaluate things quite differently. And my values started to shift. I really wasn't happy in the corporate space and really wanted to do something for myself, but didn't know what that was and fell into a kind of desperate attempt to uncover what it is I could be. And it was about a year before I actually launched as a business coach that I realized coaching was just such a fantastic opportunity. I wasn't sure what kind of coach I might be. At one point, I thought I would be a parenting coach. Um, I have 10-year-old twins, and as a kind of very uh, A-type driven mum, I've certainly come across things that I found were more difficult from a nurturing perspective. And I thought, this is a really interesting avenue. I'd love to work with people in this area. But it wasn't until the universe kind of took things in its own hands at the beginning of COVID last year that I actually put my uh, foot to the pedal or uh, the rubber to the road and all of these <laughs> things. Because even though I'd, I was making some direction and headway, I was actually very fearful of taking the full leap. And I was clinging on to my corporate job for the security of the salary and perhaps a little bit of the identity part. And then when COVID hit, I was I was laid off. Um, I was going to say made redundant, which is what we call it here in the UK. But literally, I was working on travel brands. As you probably know, travel disappeared overnight. And so did my job. 
And the beauty of it was instead of getting really upset, although I was rather taken aback, I just saw it as an opportunity to really, you know, find my true purpose and move into the next phase of my life in a more aligned and spirited way. Mm, I love that. So tell us about that. So what what does that look like? You lost your job. How long did it take you to step into this next, you know, area that you're interested in and kind of try out coaching and then move into that? What does that look like? And what do you think helped you start having success in that area? Well, it was really quick for me. And I think that was for a number of reasons. Firstly, I was already mentally prepared for it because I'd already made the decision about a year prior that I wanted to coach and started to put some hours in before work at like 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. I read The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod and I went for it and I was fitting it around. Well, I could call it a nine to five, but I know that you've worked in the advertising space. It's more like eight till nine or something. (laughs) I was fitting it all around that. But when I actually found that I was laid off, it was serendipitous, but literally I was on Facebook and I know that you and I share a training program in common, which is Kathy Heller's Made to Do This. Mm-hmm. And literally it popped up that she had a challenge. It was all about finding your purpose and building a business based on your purpose. And I just went, yeah, that's for me. Um, wow. But that said, I did the challenge and I imagine people can relate to this. But at the end of the challenge, she said, you know, if you'd wish to join me, here's an invitation to join my program. And she dropped the price. And like I think my heart stopped. I don't think I've ever thought about spending yeah. thousands of dollars on my own self-development. You know, being in corporate, you go on training programs, but you're not paying for them. Right. And suddenly I was hit with this choice. But at the same time, I did have a, a payout from being laid off. And it just all felt really aligned. And literally within the space of, I think, about two weeks, I went from being laid off to being in this training program, which I just went full tilt on. And during those 12 weeks, I actually discovered that my true gifts is being able to help people launch businesses. And it was an interesting thing because I look back at the corporate years as something I wanted to forget, something that I didn't enjoy, something that wasn't really me. But it took me some time to realize that they themselves were a beautiful gift. And I had all these strategies, experiences, knowledge that I didn't want to throw the baby out of the bathwater. Actually, what I wanted to do was bring all my values, spirituality, alignment and purpose in with business, CEO strategies, revenue growth and all these things that I had been schooled in, like marketing for 20 years. And so when that light bulb moment went off, I realized that actually business coaching and and strategizing for new coaches and entrepreneurs was where my heart really lay and also where my my passion and abilities combined really perfectly. Mm, That's so good. I love that. So tell me what now that you've been, you know, in this coaching and strategy world for, you know, over a year, what do you see some of the biggest pitfalls or things that, you know, people are struggling with that you're able to help them overcome? Wow. It's almost like, where do I start? When I think about my own pitfalls and and all the, the struggles that you tend to go through as a new entrepreneur, but I'm certainly pulled on a few major ones. The first one is imposter syndrome. Now, for me, you know, it might sound as I tell the story so far that it was an easy ride and I made quick decisions. But actually, what happened when I did realize that I wanted to do business coaching was that I started to offer some sessions for free so I could get some experience um, 
I think there's no shame in doing something for free to find your feet and, and really get a feel for it. Yeah, However, absolutely. I personally went on to coach over 30 people for free without even asking for a penny. It wasn't like I couldn't um, earn. It was that I didn't even ask. Yeah. And it literally took a client. She Maybe she was my 31st client to refuse not to pay me. She said, for goodness sake, give me your PayPal details. I am absolutely paying you for this session and that you've got to stop doing this. And I had tears in my eyes, Kristin, literally. Yeah. Like I cried. I was like, oh my God, someone's going to pay me to do something I love doing. I adore doing these sessions. I love seeing the transformation that people are getting and she's going to pay me. And, yeah. um, and that for me was all about this imposter syndrome this reality that we're all we're held back and we play small too frequently because we almost can't believe it's possible to love what we're doing and be paid and get our transformations so when when I work with with my clients and when I share in workshops that's something that I feel really strongly about and help people kind of realize earlier on that there are quick wins and ways of getting a bit of self-confidence that you can learn from and grow Mm -hmm. Yeah. So actually it's very similar thing happened to me. Same thing when I was going through trying to decide like, oh, I'm stepping back into my own business, which I had had businesses before. And I knew that I wanted to do some mentoring and coaching as part of what I was going to offer. And I did the exact same thing. I did at least 30 or 40 sessions of people, you know, and same thing. I think one person exact same said, oh, well, I'll pay you for the session, you know? And I remember just being like, well, I just was trying to show up and serve and kind of see how it went. Right. And kind of like what areas was I best at in that whole construct. So I a hundred percent kind of went through a very similar experience, you know, like, Oh my God, I loved it. It was so exciting, but it was still like, to your point, it was the overcoming the money piece and not so much because of where that I didn't think I was of value at that level. But I think I always have this loyalty guilt piece for me is what the part I have to overcome, which is, well, I, I want them to be able to be able to do it. Right. Like it's, so I more put it back on the other person, you know, instead of like, it's not that I don't think that, but then I felt like, gosh, a lot of these people don't appear that they could afford it. That doesn't mean they're the right clients. Right. I'm just pointing out that I yes, was kind of I mean, shifting what, that story to, to them. You're drawing on, on a, on a related, but also um, separate topic, which is money mindset. Yes. Which absolutely. is a, a whole other board game, which um, I've had to go through and regularly coach on. And I think absolutely. that that, that imposter syndrome and money mindset piece, when you work on the two in tandem, like you were saying, that's when you really get the breakthrough and you start yeah. to run a business rather yeah. than just play the game. Absolutely. Well, and I think, yeah, I think that's right. And I think to your point, it really isn't until you start saying, well, this is my price, you know, and this is what I offer and then start doing it for, for that price or somewhere in there, you know, that like you start to realize, oh, okay. You know, and of course you can raise your rates later, but you have to start with charging, you know? So yeah, I think it's, it's important. And I do think a lot of people get, you know, get stuck there, especially if you're new to having your own business, you know, so I love it. So tell me one thing that I love that you talk about, and I think it's really an important conversation, whether you're a new entrepreneur, you're a coach, whether you're just thinking about maybe you make handmade goods, it doesn't matter, right? Whatever it is. A lot of us forget that it's actually our own uniqueness, our own stories, and what we have that's different about us, right, that people relate to and they connect to. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Like, how do we make sure we're weaving in our personal stories into our brand and into our business? 
oh, I love this topic. Someone that, that's really close to my heart. Because the reality is when you're building an online business, you are a personal brand. And I know I felt this way and others may be like, no, I don't want to be the front person to my business. I would rather like be invisible. How can I launch a business without like it being my face on the front? And I really, really get that. Before I came into this business recently, I didn't even like my photograph being taken. So I I relate. But at the same time, you have to remember that building an online business is no different from building any business. And businesses have a story behind them. The reason that you buy into any brand, whether that's, you know, Nike or whether it's a little kitsch local brand, is because you feel like it says something about yourself. There's a relationship and a resonance there. And what I teach my clients and I I think a lot about is the fact that we as individuals are our own brands and our stories are where we relate. And this is the beauty of it. When you expect to get clients in the future, they have to understand why you're the person for them. And no matter what you do, with very few exceptions, you're probably not doing anything that's totally new in the world. You know, as a business coach, at first I was shocked by the number of business coaches out there. I was like, well, how can I ever carve out a niche when there's a thousand women doing business coaching? But actually, I quickly realized, and this is true for everybody, that it's the tapestry of your personal stories and resonance that will mean that you will call in your tribe and you will create your own special transformations for your clients. So I always encourage, in fact, the first session I do with clients, it's always go back to your personal stories and understand the USP of you. What is the unique selling point that is just about you? And so many people forget their own stories or don't even imagine why they're relevant. A great example, I worked with someone uh, very early on, a wonderful, wonderful coach who wasn't quite sure what she was going to coach people in, like where where her niche and specifics were. Mm -hmm. And when I delved into her stories, I said, tell me a little bit more. She said, well, you know, there isn't really much to say. You know, I, I suffered from depression many, many years ago. And then I discovered the law of attraction and I really got into it. I really wanted to make a lot of money and be happy. And I didn't expect this, but then I married a very, very wealthy man and I'm really, really happy and my life's amazing. And now I'm coaching. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Can Can we just go back? Like, you don't think this is relevant? You don't think that people want to hear this story that someone that you can help who might be suffering from anxiety or depression who has aspirations might want to learn from you because of your personal story. And um, I think we all do it to some degree. We forget how valuable what we have to say and offer is. Absolutely. I think, well, I think what it is, is we've lived with ourselves every day, right? So we really don't think there's anything unique or it might be ordinary, but it's kind of extraordinary to your point because someone else can connect and relate to it. And, you know, I had this happen too. the business that I had have still with my mom, Ziggity Zoom, when we started in 2008, we were trying to kind of play with some of the bigger companies, bigger brands. Like we would win awards, small awards, but um, like reader awards and stuff um, against like certain different divisions of Disney and things. And but the problem was, is we almost tried to make ourselves look bigger at the time, right? We were trying to be more than a blog. We were this brand we were building, but it actually hurt us later on, right? Because it was less about me and my mom share. And of course our pictures were on certain things and on the about page, but the content 
And I would write obviously pieces that were more personal, but a lot of the content didn't have our connection in it. And while it, it, the site still did really well over time, I think that hurt us in the long run. You know what I mean? And so I had to learn that lesson the hard way, if you will, which was we thought we were kind of play, we thought we were playing this game like, oh, but we will look too small if it was all about us. Right. But we, we had to learn that that was so untrue because to your point, it's it's us and our personalities and our interests and our experiences that connect us to those other, you know, whatever it was. In that case, it was to parents and teachers and things like that. But, you know, obviously in building a business, maybe for, you know, other coaches or entrepreneurs, it's like you said, I've had to experience failure or not hitting certain, you know, goals and then hitting amazing goals in other ways, you know, and then, you know, how do you pivot? How do you, you know, kind of pick pick back up and move forward, you know, but to your point, people, you know, sometimes are like, oh, yeah, 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 it's been all great. But if we don't share the struggle and the failure, you know, the things we've stepped through, whether it's personal or professional, people can't, we don't seem real, right? It seems it's not relatable, like you, like you were saying, or resonating. Oh my gosh, that's so true. And the word that springs to mind is vulnerability. We're all afraid to be vulnerable because it makes us less than, it makes us feel insecure. In the example you just gave, you know, where you and your mum didn't want to appear small, because maybe in your mind that might be perceived as inexperienced or less able to deliver a service or all these things that you might have put in there. Right. The reality was with the, your smallness made you more relatable and, and right. people they would want to work with in comparison to your competitors. Right. And exactly the same, you know, as, as a business coach getting out there, it's something that I've had to learn to be a lot more open about my own personal struggles and my journey. And this is what I now teach as part of my curriculum. Because literally, I was like eight months into um, building my business. And I was like super A-type. Well, I guess I am. I can't say I was. I am super A-type. You know, it's like, right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build an online business. Objective, six figures. You know, objective, this number of clients. And I went out there and in that first eight months, I'm not kidding you, I launched a membership, I launched and delivered a program, I launched a podcast, um, I I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. It was yeah. like, I just did all the things. Yeah. Um, and also, I managed to create incredible burnout and uh, make myself <laughs> retreat about eight months in and hide under my bedclothes and go, oh, I don't know what I'm doing, why am I doing this to myself, the whole reason to be out of corporate was to feel lit up and enjoy this journey. Right. And instead, I've turned into the worst boss imaginable to myself. <laughs> right. <laughs> and literally had to retreat. And since then, I've discovered that the missing piece to my business model was that of alignment. And so I've incorporated alignment and more spirituality, more high vibration and intuition into my business and how I practice And that has translated actually into my coaching, which is another beautiful thing about running your own business is that you get to iterate and you get to grow. And as you grow, change and are more vulnerable about your own personal journey. So does it call in more people that are in your tribe, more people that actually need to hear what you have to say? And it's a curious thing that since I've sort of included that as part of my life, I find that the clients that come to me are actually in need of more of that in their lives. And I'm able to share that and and help them make that journey and transition too. 
Yeah, that's so good. Well, first of all, I like that you brought up one. You're right. It's we have to be cautious because when you're starting new things, it's really easy to, you know, bid, burn that midnight oil. We have to be cautious to kind of put boundaries around our work life because it's a new thing, right? So we really want to care for it and you know, cultivate it. But to your point, we do have to be like, okay, wait, is there, what's my shutoff time? What does my schedule look like? So that we're, you know, we, we try not to hit burnout. I think we all do at different points and at different levels. And, and then I like the other thing that you said, which is we can keep iterating. And I think it's so important, one, that we realize we don't have to stay the exact course, kind of like we're trying things and seeing which ones work best for us and what resonates with us and then what works best for what our clients want or new clients want. So I think that's important to, one, understand that as the business owner. I think it's also important to share that story because some people think, what if I pick the wrong thing? Instead of realizing, well, no, just start actually doing it and then see what part of it you like. And then maybe you love the whole thing, but maybe you're like, oh, I really love talking to people, right? Like on a podcast, but I don't like the editing or I don't like this, but there's always ways to figure out how to work on that. And then I also, but I am curious when you hit that state of burnout, did you realize that some of the things you were doing needed to come off your plate or weren't really the right fit of what you wanted to work on and what your clients wanted? So did you change your offerings at that point? What did that look like? Well, at first I wasn't really sure. I was really confused because I had a preconception about all the things. And it was like, at the time, and I laugh when I say it now, but I was building my Instagram, my Facebook group. I was holding rooms on my own in Clubhouse. I had learned and was starting to build LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And I can't, I mean, it just, the list just went on. It was like that. And in my mind, this is actually what I told myself at the time. I was like, well, if you're creating content for Instagram, then you could just repurpose all that content. But I hadn't really built in the fact that I had to resize it. I had to rechange the tone. I couldn't always put everything. LinkedIn wasn't on a schedule. I mean, there were so many unique things yep. that actually it was a lot of time and effort required yeah. to do all of these things. Right. But most importantly, what I realized when I sort of took that time out I went back to my self-care practices, which are, I mean, I can't overemphasize how important they are as a soul-driven entrepreneur, never skip your self-care because it will only be a short time before you'll regret it as I, as I learn. And now I've realigned myself. So every morning my self-care comes first and I, I've, talk to detail about that on my own podcast but it's the same stuff that we all do you know whether it's journaling meditation it doesn't matter what it is the important thing is that you take some time for yourself to create a vibration that allows the inspiration to drop in and that was the second part of kind of where I went wrong and what I learned which was that I was all about action so I'd come from a corporate environment but not only that I came from a personal background of being an incredible action taker One part of my backstory was that when my eldest daughter was born 17 years ago, um, I nearly died in childbirth and wasn't able to have any more children after that, but decided that that wasn't going to hold me back from completing my family. And the short story is seven years later, my twin daughters were born with the help of of a surrogate in California, so international surrogacy. But that journey, those seven years, was an intense lesson in what it means to take action in not allowing any barriers to stop you, finding solutions, 
staying positive, keeping your eye on the vision and all the things that we now know are really, I didn't know it at the time, but now I know that these are the classic success principles. And so entering into my business practice, I entered in with the same kind of high, hard, masculine energy that was all about the doing and not very much about the being. And what I realized that when I reached burnout was that actually you have to trust your own inspiration and intuition a lot more. And you can only get access to that if you quieten yourself and take the time to be inspired. So even though I named my my podcast at the time, Action Take a Tribe, the reality is that as much as I love action, I will always put the word inspired before action now. Because when I lent into inspired action, I just went with the flow. And you ask, you know, what? how do you make decisions about what you do? I just started to do what was enjoyable. And I was like, oh, this reels thing, this seems kind of fun. I think I might make some reels. And that went really well. That was like, great. And I, I started to get traction on Instagram where I had them before. But that's because I was enjoying making the reels. I was like, oh, I want to lean into working more one-to-one and create a one-to-one program. You know what? I'm just going to do that for the time being. And that helped me call in more clients and develop my offer to something that I felt really excited about and that I knew was the full package for creating the transformation that I wanted to promise. So some really good things happened. I think that it's not necessarily the finished article in the sense that you can change. I love how you said it earlier, Kristen. You can change your mind and iterate at any time. So now I've reviewed sort of what I've done over the last few months since that point and said, you know what, I think I really missed out because I really want to do a one-to-many program again. I loved it, got burnout, started playing small, got shy, started feeling insecure and like that might mean too much work. What if I got burned out again? And actually, you know, that idea about throwing the baby out of the bathwater. I'm like, no, I love doing one-to-many programs. So I'm going to refocus on that for the fall and start developing a program. So good. Well, and what I love is, first of all, everyone I talk to that is starting to experience success or better health in their lives or whatever it is, every one of them says one of the keys is to putting self-care high on the list for themselves. You know, and so I think it, it is important. And just like you, I do talk about it on many of the podcast episodes because it's it is a common theme that comes up, which is if you just go, you know, morning till night and you never do the things, whatever it is for you, like you said, getting quiet, meditating, walking, exercising, drinking enough water, eating healthy, then you can't maintain that level, right? You're, you know, like they say, I have an interview later today, but it's somebody that focuses on wealth and health, you know, but at the end, you know, it's like your health has to come before the wealth because if you're not healthy, you know, there's, there's nothing, you can't do anything else. Right. But what I love about the inspiration piece you, you talked about, and I think this is so important. So many people, and I had the same thing happen to me. I got, and I didn't even know really about the difference in the energy types, masculine versus feminine until the last year or year and a half, but I can find myself getting stuck there too, right? Like problem solver working in the tech world. So I, I want to kind of like, how, what's the steps? What do we do? Although I'm very intuitive and I'm very encouraged and spend inspiration focused, I can get stuck over there. And so I have to, I have to catch myself and I have to say, hold on, I need to take a break from what I'm doing. Like I need to stop trying to check off my list, right? Of all the actions and the steps. And I have to go on a walk or I have to go out in nature and whatever. And 
that's actually when all my inspiration comes, right? Is when I take a break from sitting at my computer, when I take a break from trying to make my list and I just get quiet or I just let my mind kind of clear and relax and recharge. That's when the ideas come. That's when the excitement comes. And I think a lot of people forget that. I talk to so many friends, whether they still work in corporate or they have their own you know, thing. They're like, I'm so busy. I have back-to-back meetings. They don't even have a 15-minute break in between them. I'm so busy every night. You know, one, they're still telling them themselves the story that it's okay. You know, like you kind of create your own schedule. You know, these people all have at least high up jobs, you know, so they actually do set their own schedules or their own business, you know, and I have to tell them we're glamorizing this busyness. And so we need to stop doing that. So I schedule in like you probably do. When am I going to walk today? When am I going to meet with friends tonight? I'm going paddleboarding, right? So, but I put those in my schedule. So one, I think it's important, but I think people also forget. People that they think, wow, they've had so much success. They've had these amazing creative ideas. They'll tell you if you ask them. Um, even I think Bill Gates used to take two walks a day, you know, and a lot of times that's when his clarity would come of what the detail of the iPhone was or whatever it was. So I think it's important that you brought that up is we have to, you know, either get quiet or get that self-care to be able to drop into that inspiration, you know, that that creativity. And um, so I think that's a really important point. I love that. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You, as you were telling that story, you just told the story of my morning, literally yeah. today. I woke, woke up in a grouch this morning. <laughs> you know, you just wake up, you're like, oh, don't want to do anything. Yeah. Feeling low energy. If I had the, the chance to just lie in front of Netflix with a big bar of chocolate for the rest of the day, <laughs> I, that feels good right now. But I don't want to do that because right. I know that I won't feel good. It just yeah. feels like it could. Not that, not that there's anything wrong with chocolate on Netflix. Certainly <laughs> not. They're two of my favorite things in the world. But um. I just go out for a walk every single morning without fail. And I went out and I take my journal and I take my phone and my ear pods and I do my meditations and everything out in the forest, which was great. And I spent longer than usual because I was in a grouch and then came home. And instead of going to my desk, as I would normally do, I decided that I would take a salt bath, which I love. And I always, I always associate having a salt bath with like a warm cuddle when I'm feeling particularly like I need yeah. a bit of extra love and self-care yeah. and then I turned to my husband um you know maybe mid-morning and I said oh, oh I've done nothing this morning and I literally <laughs> had to catch myself in this story and realize that not only was I taking care of myself but I had five really good ideas that morning like they came so fast I, I, I had to grab a piece of paper and capture them I was like, oh, I need to, oh, this, this is a good idea. And, this, and I realized that those couple of hours of self-care was work. And that's so different from the, the masculine work that we used to do in corporate, where it was all about presenteeism and perceived productivity. Like, couldn't be more different. Oh, my gosh. So I love that you brought that up and how you caught yourself, because I have two examples that align with that. One, I think in one of your photos, you have um, Jack Canfield's Success Principles you know, in your picture. And I, of course, I've read that book. I've had it for forever. And what I love about it is he talks about how you have to schedule your days for the different type of work, right? So you have, you actually have your rest day or rest time, you have your prep days, and then you have, you know, like your productivity days. But, you know, even way back when that book first came out, I know it's been around for a long time, and he's not the only one that talks about this, but it's really important for us to understand that rest days might be just, um, you know, reading, learning, you know, it might be letting your mind think, being creative, brainstorming. 
But then prep days are like the days that you prepare to have a really productive day. So one, I think he has really good advice on how we design it and that even very successful business people, that's, they do these things. And the other thing is, is I think it's Google, but I know other companies do this. They let their employees, I forget the percentage of time. So this is probably the wrong percent, but it's, it's like 20% of their week is allowed for them to work on like side projects for the company, you know, like, but it's like that creative time. I think Pixar might do it too. And that's where a lot of times those shorts come from that somebody in the company created. It's because they've found that people that have time to have a more creative outlet, they're more, they're more productive and they're more, they're happier, right? They, They have more fulfillment. So I love that you caught yourself and said, hold on, I had five fantastic ideas this morning. But if we're always in that action, that masculine energy, that doesn't happen or it doesn't usually happen, right? We have to slow down and let our mind then do its work, right? All the things we were doing, it kind of starts making connections. But if we're always on to the next task, our brain doesn't have time to make the connections and then tell us those things. Yeah, I mean, that that intuition and feelings piece yeah. that we so often ignore. And we've been trained our whole lives yeah. by society, if you're in mainstream corporate life, yeah. To ignore it because it's more important what you're producing, not how you're feeling. That's right. And actually, you know, I, there was a great podcast episode I was listening to recently by Abraham Hicks. I'm sure that you've come across them before. Uh-huh. But they they talk about how a to-do list, you know, and you, I, I'm a big fan of productivity. And I right. one of the things I teach is productivity techniques. But I think they have to be really aligned. And what they talk about, and I really love this and use it myself, is when you have a task that's really mammoth as in building a business or creating a program or you know reviving your offer or doing growing on Instagram it doesn't matter what the task is you're going to view it as overwhelming so we say you know how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time and that obviously means we need to chunk it and that's right. a proven methodology to chunk it down in smaller pieces abraham hicks however talk about When you chunk it down and you write all the component parts that you would need to do in order to complete your project, rather than prioritizing them in the way that we might have done in a a more standard approach, they literally say to look at that list and see which one calls to you and start there. Which one do you feel like doing? You know, it's not about saying which one should I do, which one is expected of me to do. And actually, what what lights me up today? And if it's that one over there, just start there. Because, of course, we all know that when you start to do something, you get really involved with it. And then your energy rises. And then actually, you'll probably go on to do two or three other tasks as well. And it's allowing sort of your intuition to choose and your energy to rise. And that's where the productivity boost actually comes from. Not from just ticking off a to-do list, even though it's hard, striving work. Right. Oh, yeah. No, that's a great example. And I love that. I, uh, you know, sometimes we do have to get the thing done, right? It's just we can't avoid it. We can't ignore it. But there's all these other times to your point that it's not the deadline isn't today. The thing doesn't have to be done this minute. So we can, to your point, look at our big list of things and say, gosh, this sounds really this is sounds like cool or I'm curious about how this would look or, you know, like you said, I have this inspiration to work on this thing. So I love that. And I think it is you know, it's like both, right? There's going to be some times where we have to just take the action, even if it feels monotonous. But we well, can't, interestingly, we can't on, on this one, I, I mean, right. I hear you because like you have to you have to build your business. It's no good right. just 
sitting around, you know, meditating seven days a week. Yeah. Well, it is great for some people, but it depends on what you want to, what your outcome is. But this is where right. it gets interesting. It's yeah. like when you've got that thing that you have to do. Right. And like, I mean, even as I'm saying it, my energy's like, because I'm and thinking of things that I have to do, right? <laughs> we're all, now we're all thinking things we have to do. Yeah. But if you find something that you want to do, right. even if that's a walk in the forest or a bath or to meditate or to do a different task for your business, if you do that first, you can like shed that that dreary energy and 100%. then do the thing that you have to do. And it no longer feels like something that you have to do. It feels completely achievable. It's Perhaps you feel neutral. Oh, yeah, I've just got to do this. It'll take me an hour or so. You might even feel enthusiastic. But right. it came because instead of entering into it in a negative vibe, you did something absolutely. that you wanted to do first. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah, I think so. And I think you're right, though, is the point is, is you don't want to start off your day or the start of your business items or whatever they are, work items, with that thing that maybe, like you said, it brings you down and the rest of your day, you're just in a crabby mood or you're, you know, like you said, your energy's low. So I think that's that's a really good follow-up example. And I, and I like that a lot. So let me ask you this before we start wrapping up. Are there any resources that you recommend that you just feel like it just helped you so much or you just find that a lot of people you've started working with have really loved, whether it's a book or a podcast, a resource, anything, um, or even just a self-care routine? Oh, so many, so many. It depends on like the day we're recording this as to what my right. answer would be, literally. Sure. But like, right, I can tell you what I'm loving right now. Uh-huh. So I mentioned earlier the Abraham Hicks Daily Podcast, super uh-huh. short, 10 minutes, really, if you're into learning about vibration, law of attraction, it's like to bring more spirituality. I found that that's been something that I've been able to lean on quite a lot and has helped me really develop my understanding. Nice. From a money mindset point of view, I would really recommend a book that I'm reading at the moment. I'm just looking up the name of it. The book that I recommend is called How to Be Wildly Wealthy Fast. And it's by an author called Sandy Forster. And what I really love about this is, first of all, she is an online entrepreneur. So it's really, really helpful if you're trying to build your online business. But also she gives some really practical, easy steps to help you build in that. So it's not just a very you know, esoteric piece that we might not understand how to deploy. So I would recommend that you read that. Oh, I love it. I do not have that book yet, so I'll have to check it out. I loved our conversation today, Joe. How can people find you online and you know learn more about your programs and all the things you have to offer? They can. Please find me on Instagram. I am my handle is at IamJoe.ingram. My website is IamJoeIngram.com. And uh, yeah, please drop into my DMs and I'm happy to share with you a lot of the free resources that I share with my clients. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much for being on today. Thank you, Christy. It's been a pleasure. What I loved about the conversation today with Joe is that we talked about everything from how important it is to be our unique selves, our whole selves, to really show up with our awkward, silly, fun, quirky selves. You know, when we show up and, you know, run a company or start a business or take a hobby to something more. And I love that we talked about the idea that if we just look at all the things we could be working on that day and think to ourselves, which of these things just I intuitively feel like, yeah, I want to work on that thing today. It could be, you know, something that seems exciting to us, something we're curious about, 
something that seems fun or interesting, or for some reason we just have questions around it, you know, but it gets us lit up and kind of our energy elevated. So I think that's such a good point. And, you know, I think as usual, it's about taking action, but also the making the time to slow down and get quiet, be curious and be creative so that we can have that inspiration kind of hit us. And I want to leave you with this quote by Soren Kierkegaard. If I were to wish for anything, I should not wish for wealth and power, but for the passionate sense of what can be, for the eye which, ever young and ardent, sees the possible. Pleasure disappoints, possibility never. And what wine is so sparkling, what's so fragrant, what's so intoxicating as possibility? So I hope you'll be open to all the possibilities in your life and continue to try things and pivot when you need to or let go of things that didn't work and try the next thing. I think we do need to know what we want in order to define life on our terms. And we have to be willing to break the past scripts so that we can move into better and more beautiful and amazing things. Join our Facebook group called Building a Life You Love, where we will provide additional encouragement, motivation, we will answer questions, and we will just give you more resources and support along your journey to define life on your terms and go after your dreams and find work that lights you up. And if you enjoyed the show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you have ideas for the show or guests that you'd like to recommend, I'd love to hear from you. So DM me on Instagram at Kristen Fitch, or you can email me from the website. Thanks so much. And thanks again for listening in. Until next time, have a great week.